Welcome to Sacktown Sports. Ryan and Chris here as always. And Chris, it's a great day to be in Sacramento. We got, well, we had some victories happen, oh, by yeah. the way. The Kings won three games this last week. Yeah. The Republic won their first game. And March Madness is coming to Sacramento. Oh, yeah. By the way, shout out to the Sac State women's basketball team who made the tournament for the first time in their history. They got a 13 seed, I believe, and are playing UCLA. In yeah, the first round. That's going to be good. Stingers up. Stingers up. Chris, any any thoughts on the March Madness bracket? Number one seed overall, Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, I think there was a tiny bit of controversy over it, but not much. Alabama has been rolling, like roll tide. They've been rolling all season. They've been playing uh, really well. Uh, I think all the number one seeds have been playing really well. I mean, you look at Houston's been playing well. Kansas has been playing well. Um, Purdue. Purdue has been playing well. Like, no, there's not a big shock there. Yeah, you might be able to argue that there's, like, one team that was like, oh, they they were better than this team. But for the most part, they got it right. Um, sure. I think they forgot that this is not football. And just picked yeah, up. There are like, oh, Alabama, pick them. There are a lot of SEC teams uh, in the tournament, that's for sure. But, I mean, they've been playing well this whole season. I think a two-seed's going to win it. I Granted, I, let me just let me just clarify. I've watched now, I mean, I watched like three college basketball games this weekend, and I've watched three college basketball games this whole college basketball season. Okay. So. I've been um, watching uh, here and there, especially since they've, I've been watching a couple games here and there throughout the season, and then I watched a little bit of, like, each tournament that was on, like the ACC tournament, the SEC, the Pac-12. Like, I've been watching just to get an idea of, like, oh, hey, these are the people that are going to be in March Madness. These are the people that I need to watch. What are the commentators saying about them? All this and that. And, uh, yeah, I I agree. A two-seed is going to win because UCLA is going to win. I actually did try and do some research, and I was trying, like, at one point I was looking through the the stand, the rankings, sorry, and was trying to see, like, who beat who, and at the time, this was when Houston was number, this was before the weekend, when he, before Houston lost to Memphis, so Houston was number one, and I'm just, like, looking, like, no one has beaten anyone, like, yeah. ev- basically everyone's just beaten each other, and, like, no one you can look at and be like, oh, yeah, they they really have a lot more good wins than bad losses or something like that. So it's just like, yeah. I don't know. Texas impressed me as I was Te- watching yeah, them for a for minute. Sure. Uh, UCLA and Arizona both, I think, are really good. Yeah, Marquette, I, I, I think, is going to be really good as well. I don't know what to think of Houston because they're in a smaller conference and they haven't really played anyone right. good, but they were ranked number one for a long time, so I assume they're good. <laughs> I yeah, there's I don't know. some people that think Kansas should be ranked above them, but, I mean, you never know. Anything could happen in this tournament, and we've seen – some crazy things over the years. So I'm excited to see how this one plays yeah, out. I think I'm just going to scroll down and Arkansas is going to win. Oh, oh, Eric Musselman's the coach. Never mind. Get him out of here. <laughs> Forget that guy. Speaking of Eric Musselman and his former team, the Sacramento Kings. There we go. Transition. Okay, anyways, um, the Sacramento Kings, Chris, stayed hot post All-Star break. They've won Eight out of nine since the All-Star break, or nine out of ten? I don't remember which one it is. Eight out of nine or nine out of ten. Since the All-Star break, 3-0 and on the week, and we got 40 wins. 40 wins. We're going to win 40. Yeah, I mean. We should have played the audio, but we're not that high-tech, so. Not that high-tech, but it is exciting. It is a great accomplishment. 40 wins since the last time we did that was the last time we went to the playoffs, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, yes, it's a great 
great accomplishment for the Sacramento Kings. We're not the laughing stock of the NBA anymore. You know, we still have to earn a little bit tr of trust with the national media, but the Kings fans know that this team is for real. And teams around the league are starting to notice that, oh, hey, this team is for real. Yeah. They keep winning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they, they look really good. Um, we got our 40 wins. Chris, at this point, there are 16 games left in the season. You got to go 10 and 6 to win 50 this season. Wow. Like, that's very doable. That's very reasonable. That is. And actually, so if you, if you take, I think Mike Brown talked about it, maybe he talked about 10 game chunks. But if you take it in five game chunks and you just look at the next, like, three sets of five games, obviously the 16th being, being an extra one. I mean, you have to go three and two in those in those three chunks of five, and then you got to win the sixteenth game. The three and two for each of those is very very possible. As a matter of fact, like these next five, like four and one should like, they should be favored in four out of the five. I think the Bucks tonight are favored over them, but the next four, the Kings should be favored in those games. And then you just look at the schedule, and again, it's not a guarantee. Nothing is a guarantee in the NBA, right? But the opportunity. To win 50 is there. And by the way, you only need nine wins in your last 16 to guarantee a playoff spot, Ooh. regardless of what anyone else does. Would love to see Nine that. wins guarantees it. The other teams can win every game. It doesn't make any difference. Nine out of 16. they got to go nine and seven down the stretch. And they are in the playoffs for the first time in 16 years. Yeah, we love to see it at the beginning of the season we talked about oh hey 40 wins uh we saw the clip after the summer league game and the guys were coming out chanting oh four, kings are gonna win 40 this year and everyone kind of like jokingly laughed but like the sacramento king fans were like yeah we're gonna win 40 games that's for sure but in the back of our mind we're like eh, maybe 35 you know uh but we're at 40 already with Games left to play, and like you said, we're favored in the next four uh, four out of five games. Then we play the Celtics at home. That's going to be our next hard game after tonight. We play the Bucks, but a lot of winnable games. Uh, and the Kings, they're going to the playoffs. Playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I think so. I mean, it, you know, it it definitely seems that way. It would be a massive disaster. I mean, Fox and Sabonis would both have to get hurt tonight, and. I mean, even then, you still would probably expect them to, like, squeak out nine out of the seven. And, again, I don't even think you need nine to make the playoffs because other teams are going to lose. But the odds of them going to the playoffs are pretty good. And now we're starting to talk about what they can do in the playoffs. So before we get there, let me just kind of look back at some of these games because this will lead into it. Because I think Mike Brown had some interesting comments after the Knicks game mm -hmm. and, you know, made some headlines because he was very harsh on the team. After they beat the Knicks. So this week they beat uh, the Pelicans. Sabonis had a triple-double. Davion Mitchell started that game, played really well. Um, Kevin Herter went off for a team-high 25. Then you beat the Knicks on national television. Another triple-double for Sabonis. Um, the Kings did get crushed on their defensive glass. The Knicks had 23 offensive Jeez, rebounds. Yeah, Chris. it was ridiculous. Um, and then the Kings beat the Suns. And... Well, let me let me. I'll pa I'll come back to the Suns game because I don't want to talk okay. about the Suns game in a minute. But after the Knicks game, Mike Brown was very hard on his team, especially Fox and Sabonis. He was talking about the physicality of losing the rebounding battle yep. and and really and I mean, the third quarter was atrocious. I mean, it was just so bad. And yep. I mean, it was just time after time where it was like they miss a shot and the Knicks get the ball back. They miss a shot and the Knicks. I mean, there was one time where I think there was 
genuinely four or five opportunities in a row for the Knicks. So, yeah, the Kings have to do better. You know, Keegan Murray sat most of the, the second half because um, Coach obviously wasn't happy with his production. He had Trey Lyles in there. Trey Lyles has been playing great basketball. But what I like about what Mike Brown did, because some people were asking, like, is he just saying this because they're on national television and he's trying to look tough or whatever? I don't think so. I think this is the message he's been preaching from the beginning. And we started to hear this more and more now as we start adjusting to the fact that they're making the playoffs. He's saying, hey, I didn't come here to make the playoffs. I came here to compete for a championship. Yeah. That's what I want to do. And I think that's the mindset of this Kings team is, yes, we want to get into the playoffs, but we want to get into the playoffs because that gives us a chance to win a championship. And this team wants to go as far as they possibly can. They're not settling for 40 wins. They're not settling for playoffs. They're not settling for playing like most people thought they would be. Like They want to be the best team in the NBA, and they're going to be, Chris. But I think that Mike Brown, his comments are, are to a team of saying, hey, if you're beating a Knicks team that, you know, Brunson sat the second half, like, kind of has been struggling the last few games, although they, they did kindly beat the Lakers last night. Um, like, they had been really hot, and then they struggled for three games, and then, you know, whatever. But, like, okay, you beat the Knicks, great, but you didn't look very good. And if you're going to beat better teams than the Knicks, because there are better teams than the Knicks, you have to play better than that. And he's focused on the playoffs, and he's focused on winning a championship, and I love that mindset from him. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you look back in the Knicks game, if they shot just a little bit better, the Knicks win that game. They killed us on the boards. They could not get a rebound. Sabonis was getting bullied, at least on the on the defensive boards. Uh, they were just grabbing anything they can. There was possessions when they got like three offensive rebounds in one possession. And if they shot a little bit better, the Kings lose that game. So you've got to do better. you got to get boards. I think, you know, they brought... Uh, Metu in and Trey Lyles in trying to get some boards, but they didn't produce any boards either. Yeah. Like it was, they were just getting bullied down there, and they were getting bullied by basically no name bigs. Sure. And, or Josh Hart. Josh Hart had 15 rebounds, eight offensive rebounds. Yeah. That's from a guard or a, a for, like a small forward. That's from a guard. And, you know, Jalen Brunson goes down with an injury, you know, in the first half. He didn't play the second half, like you said. Uh, so that helped the Kings a lot. But that one was a game that the Kings won. They needed to win, but it could have very easily gone the other way. So I understand uh, coaches' frustration that said, like, he's basically saying, hey, man, like this, if you're. If you're going to go in the playoffs and win in the playoffs, you cannot have these type of games because this was a game that could have easily gone the other way. Yep. And um, uh, oh, I was going to say something. Jalen Brunson, Kings. I, I don't know. It's gone. Thoughts gone. Thoughts gone. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But you know what? He. he oh. 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 I know. I was, sorry. Credit to the Kings. First half, they looked great in the first half. They were still getting kind of beat up on the in the rebounding department, but. I mean, they were they were balling in the first half, and then they let the Knicks come back, and the offense rebounds hurt, and they were selling for threes and selling for some bad shots. But like, there was some good basketball in there. So well, but there was a lot of bad basketball. There was. You were at the game, and I even texted you like, "Hey, can you uh, go down to the court, <laughs> ask the players to mm-hmm. start running the offense, stop just chucking up threes every yep. time?" Like they come down, they chuck up the three, they brick it, and then they run back, and that's how the Knicks started coming back. Run the offense. You know, you've got this far by running the offense, running the pick and roll, run the offense through Fox and Sabonis. 
Make things happen. Don't just go dribble down, chuck it up. That's the old Kings. Don't yeah. slip back into those patterns. Well, I think Mike Brown has said that like the best shot in basketball is is a shot that where the ball touches the paint and then is kicked out to a three-point shot. And the Kings are very good at doing that because you yes. have Fox who drives the basket really well. Sabonis can get down low really well. Like Barnes can go down there. And then you got guys who can stand outside and hit the three. And so the Kings need to do that. Like, it's okay to shoot threes. It's okay to shoot a lot of threes. Oh, yeah. But get to the paint and then find the open guy and dish it out. Um, I do think, credit to the Kings, I think they responded against the Suns. And, you know, Fox was playing aggressive in the first quarter. Like, yeah. Mike Brown, in his postgame comments about the Knicks, said, hey, we know what fourth quarter Fox is. We know who this guy can be. And he said, the sky's the limit for this kid. Like, if, if he plays this way for 48 minutes... I mean, he's, you know, he can be an MVP. He can be, you know, whatever he wants to be. And, and I thought Fox was really aggressive, maybe to a fault even early on against Phoenix. Like, it just wasn't quite working. Like, he was trying to be fourth quarter Fox, and it just wasn't quite clicking. Right. But then I think he made adjustments, and they started finding their offense. I think the the rebounding was way better. I even saw one where Sabonis was boxing out. I don't remember who he's boxing out. But, I mean, really pushed his guy far out of the way Sabonis wasn't even going for the rebound, was just clearing the space so that his teammate could go in and grab the board. And I just thought, yep, that's what we need. And so credit to Mike Brown, credit to the players, credit to the coaching staff, because they identified something that was an issue. They obviously talked about it after the game. They clearly worked on it a little bit. You know, they don't have a ton of practice time. Right. And it was better against the Suns. But yeah, that's something that has to be good. I mean, Sabonis is... Not the biggest big in the league, but he is widely thought of as one of the stronger big men in the league. So you, if you're one of the stronger big men in the league, you can't get bullied down there for the offensive and defensive rebounds. So you have to, you have to make your presence known down there. And I think he he took a step forward. I think he got an earful, uh, and then he brought it back against the Suns. He still had 13 rebounds against the Knicks, so it's not like he wasn't rebounding, but he was getting beat on a lot of those. He could have had 20 rebounds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll say this about Phoenix. One one thing that concerns me, Keegan seems to be on a small leash with uh, with Coach right now. I think yeah. um, he he we saw that uh, against the Knicks and then in the Suns, he only played 15 minutes, went 0 of three, um, had no rebounds, one assist. Well, not a great game for Keegan. But part of the reason that Keegan was out was because Kessler Edwards stepped in at a time oh, where yeah. the Suns were kind of playing really well. And you needed to get some stops against Devin Booker and this high-powered offense. Even without Kevin Durant, this is a high-powered offense. Yep. Um, they have a lot of star power there, even without Durant. And Kessler Edwards played incredible in this game. I mean, his defense was so good. He had some big shots, had a big three down the stretch. Uh, end up with 12 points, plus 18 in the plus-minus if you're into that one. Um you know, and, and I just thought defensively he was so good. Davion came in, played great defense. Like we have, there, there's hope because this is the second game where Kessler Edwards has come in and, and played some good defense. So maybe Kessler Edwards is going to be that guy that they thought Casey Opala could be. Yeah, where he can come in, he can provide a little bit of offense and some really good defense. So he's not a liability on the offensive side, but he can come in and maybe shut down a guy like Devin Booker. Maybe shut down a a star player who's who's hot like. I love it because, you know, Booker is one of the best players in the NBA. Yep. We know how he can score in bunches. And, and yet Devin Booker, I mean, he still ended up with 28 points. But I think when Davion or Kessler Edwards was covering him, like, 
he only hit one field goal in that time. I was like one of nine or something oh, against sure. those two. So um, credit to Kessler Edwards, who is another guy who, hey, when your num- name is called, when your number is called, you better be ready, yeah. and he is. And another thing I like to see as we're nearing the end of the season is the bench starting to pick up that production. We talked about Kessler Edwards. We talked about Davion stepping up when Fox is a little bit banged up. Trey Lyles is stepping up. Malik Monk coming in, hitting shots. This is why you brought these players in. Uh, it's to come in and make shots when we need. Add shooting around Fox and Sabonis. Get these role players in the rotation and have them start producing and that's what's been happening there was a dry spot where the the bench wasn't really producing they weren't really playing well but now we're seeing them get a bulk of minutes and we're seeing them really step it up and that's what you need going into the playoffs because the deep teams win the playoffs the teams that can rebound play in the paint and shoot the ball well and score obviously if you score more points you win so we love to see the production off the bench, especially going into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I love four of our, our backup rotation players. And, you know, again, Kessler Edwards has played like one game where he's played really well, and he had yeah. a good defensive stretch for a few minutes of another game. Um, but we're definitely going to need to max him soon. So, uh, you know, Trey Lyles, max player. Um, you know, these, these guys are getting a huge contract soon, obviously. Uh, they're, they're the best players in the NBA. But I love Edwards. I, I mean, Trey Lyles legitimately has been incredible this season. Malik Monk could be in conversation for sixth man of the year. He's not going to win it, but he could be in that conversation. And Davion, since the All-Star break, has been uh, the guy that we were hoping he would be yeah. this season. I think so, you heard a lot of the noise. If you take those four, and then it's like, man, if we can just get something a little bit better from Metu or Rashawn Holmes, like, man, that's that's so so good. Yeah, we talk lineup. about rebounding, and then Rashawn Holmes just doesn't get any playing time. But uh, it, it's tough. Obviously, it's not what coach is looking for. And but it sucks because as Kings fans, we're big Rashawn Holmes fans. Like we love him. He yeah. loves the city. He loves you know. He plays hard. He's exciting. But he's not what Coach Brown is looking for. So that hurts a little bit. Um, fun fact: tweeted or deleted, or a fun fact, whatever you want to put this in. We're going to tweet it though. Okay. Heads up. Okay. The Kings have scored. 120 plus mm-hmm. points in each of their last eight games. The last team to do that was Denver in 1984. Talk about a high-powered offense. Talk about yeah. the best offense in the league. Best offense in the league is statistically one of the best offenses of all time. Which I, is wild to think about. Yes, the game has changed. Yes, we take more threes. Yes, we you know, don't value defense as much as they did back in the 80s, and you get away with a lot more now. Or you don't get away with a lot more now. But you still got to score the ball. You still got to put the ball in the bucket, and the Kings are doing that at a – very good rate. Yeah, I mean, you just said it though, right? Like, this is the first time that this has happened since 1990. So it happened in 1990. So it's like, the, the Kings have had a lot of these stats lately where it's like, you know, it, it's been 20, 30 years since any team has done something that they have done offensively. And yes, the game has changed. The defense, you know, it, it's harder to defend. But like, but no one else has done this. Right. No one else has done this. So you can say all you want about how 
the game has changed and it's soft and the offenses are just exploding. Yes, they are. But the Kings are still doing things that are historically different than any other team has done to this point. Sure. Like they're doing things that are different than the Warriors have done in all their glory years here, right? Like they're doing things different. And I'm not saying they're better than the Warriors. They are, but I'm not saying it. But like, yeah. uh, you, you know, the point is, is like people keep wanting to diminish the Kings' accomplishments because it's the Kings and they're like, oh, well, offense is just at an all-time high, so it doesn't really make any difference. It's like, okay, then where are all the other teams doing this? Yeah. Like, show me the other, like, it's not like five teams did it this year. It's like, no, there's one team that has done this since 1990. This 1984. 84, sorry, whatever. I, I don't know why I had 1990 <laughs> in my head. Uh, like, this doesn't happen. This is rare. And yes, if the Kings, and this is why I love Kessler Edwards' minutes against Phoenix, because if the Kings can actually stop somebody, they're winning a championship. Like, it doesn't, like, they have the offense to do it. They're going to be a nightmare yeah. for teams. Um, okay, I, I want to move on because I do want to talk briefly about load management, Chris. All right. Now, we both read an article on The Athletic that talked about load management and actually talked about the Knicks and the Celtics and their double overtime game or whatever, and are they defeating the analytics? Well, since that moment, so basically the, the article was saying, you know, the analytics say it's better for players to play less minutes because over the course of a season, your bodies get tired and so you can get tired in game or you can get tired down the season or you can have long-term injuries. And we've seen all that in play. Like you look mm -hmm. at the Warriors after five years of making the NBA championship and playing every game, you know, Durant got hurt, Steph got hurt, Draymond got hurt, like Clay got hurt. You know, he had all these major injuries that came from them. Like LeBron's body is slowly, you know, very slowly uh, breaking down a little bit. Like you see yeah. some of these guys and, you know, part of it's you're just getting older, but part of it is you played a lot of minutes. Um, and, and so they're looking at the Celtics and the Knicks, who have two of the highest amount of starter minutes. And the Celtics, in the last couple weeks, have not been playing their best basketball. Yeah. Um, they've, been, they've been losing some games that you would have expected them to win. And then the Knicks, who went on that really hot streak, ended and now have lost three of the last four. And they're looking like maybe they're back to their old selves. So Well, you can thank the Kings for doing that. You can. You can thank the Kings uh, for beating them and, and knocking them down a little bit. But I, I will say this. There's something to load management. However, the opposite is true as well. Charles Barkley was on first take, I think, and said, you know, with new TV contracts, you're going to get guys who are going to be getting paid $70 million a year. Like that, that is within the realm of possibilities within the next, you know, five, ten years. Yeah. And, and they might play 80% of the games, you know? Like, let's right. just say 80%, right? You're going to get a star that's, that's doing that. You're going to get a Kawhi Leonard who wants to rest for the playoffs. And ultimately, hey, it may work for Kawhi, right? Like, if, if the Clippers win the championship this year because Kawhi goes off for 50 every night, like, you might be looking and saying, well, we don't like it, but it works. Yep. And, and that's kind of what the analytics are showing. Um, however, obviously, it's frustrating for fans it hurts the quality of the regular season. And um, I just saw today that in the collective bargaining agreement, the NBA and the NBA Players Association are getting close to um, approving, and I don't know what the, what the oh, it's right here, um, getting close to approving that basically you have to play a minimum number of games to be eligible for major awards. Good. Yeah, this should be the case, right? Like you shouldn't be – win an MVP if you played half the season. You shouldn't win most valuable... 
well, that is MVP. But you shouldn't win these great awards if you're sitting out half the games. And another thing that bugs me about the load management is teams raise their ticket prices when uh, the Clippers and Kawhi come to town, yeah. when the Lakers and LeBron come to town. When these big stars come to town, they know they can charge more because you're coming to see them play. And so if you're pay- paying a premium and then they sit out it, – it's not worth it. Like you paid all this money when you could have paid, you know, significant half the price to go see the the Magic play. But instead, you're paying twice as much to to see the Clippers play, and then their best players don't not even playing. That is just a slap in the face to the fan, and it it, it sucks because you buy these tickets weeks in advance. Most people buy weeks, maybe even months in advance. You know, oh, we're going to go see Kawhi play when he comes to sack. You know, this is the last time I can go uh, see him or whatever. And then he doesn't play. It just, it's a really, it's a slap in the face of the fans, especially because teams know that these guys are coming in town and then they jack up the ticket prices. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's that's a great point. And I don't think I finished my statement. Charles Barkley was talking about them making $70 million and basically said, and then they're going to be sitting out a bunch of games. And then he was like, you know, you got people. And he's like, you got people working in the mines, like the coal mines. I bet they're tired. They're work, but they're still working every day. Like they don't get to sit out. And and you know, I agree to an extent. The, the problem is, is or I, I guess my question would be, what do you do about it? Like, yes, I agree with awards. You shouldn't be able to win an All NBA or an MVP. Like one hundred percent. Maybe even an All Star game nod, which can you know affect salary sometimes. Um, I mean, I just I don't know what you do because again, for Kawhi Leonard, like he's experienced both sides of the thing where he's had injuries that he believes are because he's playing too much, so he's resting so that he can be ready for the playoffs. And of course, you want your best players in the playoffs. You don't want everyone getting hurt in the playoffs. So it's just this weird, like, yeah. I mean, the data is pretty clear, and and I think it is obvious that if you are resting more, you're going to be more ready for the game that you're playing in. Right. And, and risking less injury. Well, However, this is a sport that's built on fans showing up to watch players play. 100%. And so it's, yeah. it's like, where's the balance between competitive trying to win in the playoffs versus like regular season and, and being a sport that entertains the fans? Well, I, just, I just don't know. I don't know it, what the answer is. Well, there is an answer, but it's never going to happen. The, the answer is shorten the season. But that's never going to happen because the the owners, the NBA, is not going to want to make less money. And the only reason they're able to make all of this money, all these players are able to make hundreds of millions of dollars, is because the fans show up. If there was no one watching, they wouldn't be able to make this type of money. But, yeah, the owners, the NBA, don't want to make less money, so they keep the season as long as it is. And the players say, well, if I'm hurt, I'm not going to get paid. You know, so I'm going to sit out. I still get paid the same if I sit out, whatever, and I, I can make a long run into the playoffs and into the championship, and that builds my stock. So I understand why they do it, but it, it's never going to get fixed because yeah. they realize I can sit out, make this amount of money, win a championship, and then <coughs> I'll get paid even more the next contract. Yeah, and, and the problem is even if you shorten the season, there's still going to be players who try and use a competitive advantage to rest and do different things. Like you would have to, if you're going to shorten the season also, you would have to like write into contracts that you know your salary is based on how many games you play or something, barring injury, but then you're going to be faking injury. Like it's just, there's so, it's such a mess and it's it's probably too late for it. I don't, you know, 
I like I said, I wish there was a solution because you do want these players to play, you want to be competitive. But again, like as a Kings fan, I'm also like, hey, if we, you know, as long as we're clinching playoffs, and you, I don't know that I'm worried about seeding. I would like a, a I would like a top two seed certainly. Um, but you know, if you're in that mix where you're saying, hey, we just want to get in, and that's where the Clippers are. They don't really care that much about home home court. No, advantage. they don't like, because their team is stacked. Yeah. So like, as long as you get healthy, that's that's where it's like. I want the Kings to be healthy in the playoffs. So what, is, what does it take well, to get there? I get that. I, I get both mentalities, yeah. I guess. No, no, for sure. <clears throat> but the Clippers, they're definitely not worried about it because they, they don't really have home games anyway. That arena will <laughs> never be their arena. That will always be the Lakers arena. And just like the Chargers, that will never be their home. It will always be the Rams' home. Yes, technically it will be, but they'll never be the main team there. You know, even though they they are better than the Rams now, that even though the the Clippers are better than the Lakers now, whatever they'll never be the home there. So yeah, they're just trying to squeak in. The Kings, however, if they get home court advantage, that makes all the difference because yeah. Golden One Center is going to be rocking. Yep, yep, absolutely. Although the Kings also have the best Western Conference record in. Uh, sorry, best away record in the Western Conference. All right, Chris, I want to mention one thing, then we're going to move on to the NFL here really quickly. Here's my here's my negative Nelly side for Kings fans. Okay. All right, the Kings record against winning teams in the West is 10-11. and 11. Oof. 1-1 one and one against the Nuggets, 2-2 two and two against the Grizz, 1-2 and two against the Suns, 3-1 and one against the Clippers, 1-1 one and one against the Mavs, 1-2 uh, and two against the Warriors, and 1-2 and two against the T-Wolves. Actually, I don't even know. If, I think all these teams still have winning records. I, I did this a couple days ago. Um, over Overall, then the next couple teams, like 3-1 and one against the Lakers, 1-1 one one against the Pels, Jazz, uh, we're 2-0 and oh against them, 3-0 and oh against the Thunder, 1-1 one and one against the Blazers. In the Eastern Conference, against winning teams in the Eastern Conference, 5-8 and eight record against winning teams in the Eastern Conference. So an overall 15-19 and 19 against teams with winning records in the NBA, um, obviously not a great stat. Now, I will say, I think the Kings are playing some of their best basketball. I think they've gone through some some rough stretches at times, and I do wonder how many teams would look at you know their record against winning teams and say, oh yeah, we have you know a winning a, a dominant record against right. these teams. Because I think teams beat each other up. So just just a little like this is what I was mentioning last week. The Kings need some statement wins. I think the Suns was a statement win. I think the Knicks was a little bit of a statement win, although again they're kind of sinking down. Uh, Suns are without uh, without Durant. If they beat the Bucks tonight, that's gonna be a statement win. Whether Giannis plays or not, that's a good Bucks team. Um, so you know again the Clippers are, are not as good, but like still I like I'd be like these are you need to get some of these. Well, you don't need them, but it would be nice to give me confidence. I'm, yeah, I'm not worried about it though because uh, you look at the at our division. You know, you look at we have to play the Suns, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Mavs, uh, and the Warriors all four times uh, a season. And Lakers those are not Mavs, but yeah, Lakers not bad. Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. Uh, but these are good teams, and you play them a lot, and we're beating these teams, and you expect all. Uh, those teams to go deep in the playoffs. Maybe not the Lakers right now, maybe not the Clippers right now, but they definitely have potential and they are good teams, no matter what you say. So I'm not too worried about it. I'm not too worried about it. Great. Um, All right, let's talk a little bit about NFL. The free agency period is kicking off today, sort of, and then it really kicks off on Wednesday, but already kind of has been happening. The NFL is weird. Like, Basically, teams have been, like, contracts and trades have been being talked about, but today is officially the day where you can talk to other people's players, and then contracts can be signed on March 15th. So, um, 
We've already seen a couple of big things, a couple news stories. Austin Eckler today has requested permission to seek a trade after contract negotiations broke down. Adam Thielen was cut by the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to the Jets. And Jalen Ramsey is headed to the Dolphins. Yeah, uh, for basically pocket change. Yeah, uh, but I mean, yes, you have to you have to pay him, but if he can help you win now, you have two, pro- arguably two of the top five corners in the league. You know, you can make that you can make that argument, and you have a high powered offense. You have two on a rookie contract. You have Jalen Waddle on a rookie contract. You have these great players, and you just added to that defense. The Dolphins are very scary. Yeah, I think. Tua's on his last year of his rookie contract, so they need to do something this year because they're going to have to pay him or somebody else here in the next uh, in the next year or so. Um, the Niners. Let's let's talk a little bit about the Niners here and their free agency. So, uh, I, I, free agency officially again starts on on Wednesday. Here are the Niners' free agents: Chris, okay. Jimmy Garoppolo, yep. Josh Johnson, Ross Dwelly, Tyler Croft. Jordan Matthews, Jake Brendel, our center, Mike McGlinchey, right tackle, Daniel Brunskill, uh, a whole bunch of defensive line guys. Here's the defensive linemen that are free agents. Samson Abukam, Charles Amenehu, Jordan Willis, Kerry Hyder, Hassan Ridgeway, Ty McGill, and Maurice Hurst. Okay. Then Aziz Al-Shair, who's been our third uh, yep. linebacker, Emmanuel Mosley, Jason Verrett, Jimmy Ward, Tavares Moore, or, sorry, Tavares Moore, and Robbie Gould. We got some big names on there, some key pieces to that team uh, up for grabs on the free agent market. Yeah, obviously, I mean, Jimmy is not coming back. I mean, right. that's that's pretty much a guarantee. I think the Niners need a third quarterback, but you're looking more in the lines of like guys like Mason Rudolph or, um, oh, who is uh, Nate? Nate, uh, he was on our team last year. He was with the Lions. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but, but you know, someone – Someone who is gonna is willing to be a third string quarterback that might be willing to compete for the second string job, or understanding that hey, the Niners have had some injury issues. Trey Lance hasn't been able to stay on the field. Like Brock Purdy's coming off a major surgery, so someone who is a third string caliber but can actually play um, would be you know would be decent. Um, obviously, you're gonna have to find some defensive line help. Uh, you might need to find some defensive line help even if all those guys were coming back. And then, you know, to me, I'm looking at Jimmy Ward, Emmanuel Mosley. Like, they, they just re-signed to Sean Gibson, so they got their free agent or the, their safeties back. Yep. Um, they need some help on the secondary. That was true last year. Demon or Lenore played well in the playoffs, but you saw last year when Mosley went down, it took a little while for Lenore to get up to speed. You want more coverage. Like, if Charvarius Ward gets hurt, we're in trouble. So if like a Mosley's there, you know, Jimmy Ward played that slot corner. So he's he's valuable because he's versatile too. So if Gibson struggles, then, you know, Ward can go in and, and play really well. Um, I think that's the big thing. Like I think secondary and defensive line are the two areas where I'm the most focused on. Definitely. Yeah. We've seen what a good defensive line can do for a team. Like we've had a the best defensive line uh, in the league for the last couple of years. And that's due to large part a lot of those free agents. You, you know, you want to bring Al Shire back. You want to bring Emmanuel Mosley back and Jimmy Ward back. But Jimmy Ward, uh, that one's tricky. Like, he's come out, you know, saying... There's been rumors that he was, like, unhappy with the with the Niners organization and this and that and the coaching. But then he's going... He's in Houston right now going to meet with the Texans with D'Amico Ryans, which 
was the defensive coordinator. So if he was unhappy with the coaching, now he's going with the 49ers defensive coordinator. Uh, that doesn't make sense, but that will be a huge loss for the Niners if he does, in fact, sign somewhere else, which right now it's looking to be the case. Yeah, I think that he wants a bigger role. I think he wants to play. Well, safeties get paid more money than nickel cornerbacks. And the Niners are looking at him primarily, especially after re-signing Gibson, primarily they're going to offer him maybe something in between a nickel corner and a safety salary. So if he can go and play safety for Demeco, then I think he will. But I'm not, I'm not sure that that's an offer. I'm not sure that he'll get more money. Right. Um, I think he, he wants money, but he, you know, I, I think he wants to win too. So I think if he can go to the Niners, if it's competitive – he might just play with the Niners, like competitive salaries. He might just play with the Niners, knowing that he's got a chance to win. He's probably, you know, he's got some roots here. Um, I would love to have Jimmy Ward back, but I'd also love to have Emmanuel Mosley back because he was yeah. playing really well before he, he got hurt. He was. Uh, Jason Verrett is a guy that you know I'm, I'm rooting for, but I think the Niners are done with him. I think, unfortunately, his injuries just keep creeping up. Yeah, they keep keep creeping up. You know, if you can sign him for you know the minimum, which I don't know that you can, but if you can then great, keep him around because when he's healthy, he's really good, but he just can't stay healthy. So I don't know if it's worth the risk. Yeah, if uh, if Khalil Mack is cut, Chris, would you uh, would you like the Niners to sign Khalil Mack? Absolutely. If we can afford him. I know we're going to have to pay a lot of people. I know Bosa's contract's coming up. But if you can get Khalil Mack comfortably, absolutely. Yeah. You'd be silly to pass up on him. Yeah, it's funny because I've seen a lot of things about the Niners and just, you know, I mean, like Lamar Jackson was kind of rumored. Um, not Like, I don't think there was any any real weight to the rumor that he was, like, being considered. But, I mean, they were, they were mentioning a lot of people are like, ooh, the Niners should take a look at him. And I get it. It's kind of a fun thought, but it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, Nick Bosa's contract, he has one more year on his contract. Nick Bosa's probably going to get an extension this year. And he's going to be signed for massive amounts of money. Yep. So to bring Lamar Jackson in with a high-priced uh, Christian McCaffrey, who's probably going to get his deal restructured, would be my guess. High-priced Debo Samuel. High-priced, you know, or Brandon Ayuk's going to, his contract's coming up. High-priced George Kittle. High-priced Trent Williams. Like, it's like, you're going to have to make Fred Warner's on that big contract. Like, you have great players. You're going to have to make sacrifices if you want for sure. other great players. It just, you can't have everyone. Right. So, um, but I would like them to. Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, I, I like them too. The, you know, I think one of the biggest questions is who's going to play right tackle. Yes, that is a huge question because McGlinchey, you know, as a Niner fan, we had big expectations on him. Mm -hmm. You know, we took him high in the draft coming out of Notre Dame, and he just hasn't produced the way we thought he was going to. So, yeah, who's going to play right tackle? Trent Williams can't do it all. Yeah, that's true. Um, Mike McGlinchey is ranked as the sixth best free agent in this class right now. Maybe they haven't watched a lot of Niner games, or maybe we just have too high of expectations on him. The Niners did go and look at Odell Beckham. Would you be interested in bringing Beckham into this team? Sure, why not? I mean, I think that's another weapon. Like I said, it's all about the price, the yeah. timing, you know, because he's going to be expensive. Even though he has had injury problems, he, he helped the Rams win a Super Bowl. Like, yes, he got injured in the Super Bowl, but he is a huge—no, he got injured in the—yeah, in the Super Bowl. But he's a yeah. big reason why they won the NFC Championship game against the 49ers. Yep. The, they had no answer for him. Yeah. He's still going to be a very good receiver in this league. So I don't think we can afford him. 
Yeah, I I don't know what we need to do, but let's let's go trade for Joey Bosa. That's what we need to do. We need to find a way <laughs> to trade for Joey Bosa. Get both the get, Bosas. Get the Bosas both on the outside. I think Nick Bosa was asked about that, and he said he said they'd break the NFL if they were both on the same team. Probably, but that'd be fun. I don't know what Joey Bosa's contract is like, but let's just wait till he's done and then go inside him. I'm sure it's a lot of money. Jimmy Ward, by the way, 35th in the free agency rankings, 35th. and Jimmy Garoppolo was 22nd. Ooh. Those are the top three Niners listed on NFL.com's 101 free agents here. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of good players. It's hard to look at because. Uh, the Athletic has something where you can go and you can build your own Niners roster. Oh, yeah. And so they have, like, projected salaries for a lot of players. And so you can you can put people in. They even have some, like, um, players where you can adjust, their, uh, renegotiate their contracts, essentially, and save yeah. some money. And basically, for the Niners, they have, like, $6 million in cap space. So you have to, in order to really, like, actually sign people, you sort of have to renegotiate every contract. Um, which there's like five guys that they allow you to do that for. But it's kind of a fun thing because like for a moment I was just like, let me just pick all the best players. I'm like, <laughs> let me get Bobby Wagner on here. Yeah. Like, let me get, uh, you know, I'll, I'll re-sign Mike McGlinchey. Like, I'll, I'll add James Bradbury, although I don't think that would really work for the Niners because they talk too much trash about him. Um, but it's like, you know, it was just, it was kind of fun. And then it was like, oh, and we're like $50 million over the cap for this year. <laughs> so uh, it's probably not going to work out. But. It's all right. Just like in Madden, just turn the cap, salary cap off. <laughs> yeah, that's what the Niners should do. Jed York just needs to go and say, or John Lynch just needs to be like, um, NFL, I'm turning the salary cap off so I can do whatever I want to do. That's all right. If there was no salary cap, how many players, and, and the Niners were willing to spend um, unlimited money? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like they're, you know, I'm not saying like you're offering billions of dollars, yeah. but like, would be willing to offer essentially equal amount to any other team for any given player, right? So if like a, um, let's see, Jason Hargrave is the number one free agent. He's probably going to re-sign with the Eagles, defensive tackle. Yeah. Like if he's if he's offered 20 mil a year, the Niners would offer him 20 mil a year, right? So how many how many guys would sign with the Niners? Uh, with the team that we have right now, I think a lot. I yeah. think that they would come in and say like, oh, they're one piece they're me away from winning a Super Bowl because they are one piece away from winning a Super Bowl. I would guess that a lot of offensive players would want to – well, I, see, I would think a lot of offensive players would want to play on this team, but I also think a lot of guys would want to play with, like, a Patrick Mahomes. So they oh, might, for like, sure. if there was unlimited cap and they could go sign there. But, I mean, yeah, I do think that some stud defensive players and even, like, an Odell Beckham would be very interested in the Niners if the money were unlimited and could work out. It yeah. doesn't, but yeah. like I just think that would be cool because I think like guys love playing in Kyle Shanahan's system. I think they yeah, know they how do. creative it is, how fun it is. They've seen how good the Niners can be, and I think you know if you believe in Brock Purdy, which I think a lot of the Niners players do, then I think you're pretty comfortable going over there and saying, "Hey, I can get my stats and I can go win a Super Bowl." Yeah, I mean we've seen what Kyle Shanahan can do with average players. If you're a superstar. Let's see what he can do with the Superstar. We saw what happened, the, the, the elevation of the offense once Christian McCaffrey got here. Imagine if, you know, uh, Odell came or, or these free agents. Yes, if money was no problem, I think that the Niners would have no problem getting some of these guys. All right, Chris, these guys were listed as possible cap cuts, and I want you to tell me the, the number one possible cap cut that you would like the Niners to sign. Okay. Keenan Allen, Aaron Jones, Khalil Mack, uh, Adam Thielen actually has been cut. Yeah. Leonard Fournette, which I believe he got his release anyways. Ryan Tannehill, Frank Clark, 
I think Frank Clark might have already been released at this point. Matt Ryan, Byron Jones, Carson Wentz, and that's it. Out of that list of players, which one do you want the Niners to sign? And this is money's not an issue. Well, you're gonna have, you're gonna have to figure it out. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to fit them in. But well, like, but obviously, all of them are gonna come in at a fairly high price. Then Khalil Mack. Okay. I think that he's still playing at a super high level. I think that him. Uh, Adding to that defense, he can play he, standing up. He can play on the line like a Nick Bosa. He can play opposite of Nick Bosa. I think that, man, if you add a Khalil Mack to the Niners' defense, it's a wrap. It doesn't matter who our defensive coordinator is. Yeah, I think, I mean, Frank Clark, for similar reasons, adding him to the defense, to me, would be uh, very appealing. Um, I mean, Byron Jones is certainly interesting there as well because we, we do need secondary help, and so that would be interesting. Uh, but also, I mean, could you imagine Keenan Allen, Brandon Ayuk, um, and and Debo Samuel like lined up as the as your three receivers? Yeah, that would be wild. That's a nightmare for teams. Shoot, even Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen's a really good receiver. Yeah, yeah like, he and is. you can probably get him for a lot cheaper than you can get Keenan Allen. Yeah, this is probably true. All right, we could probably talk about this all day hypotheticals. Chris, you got anything else you want to say about the Niners free agency? Uh, don't let us down. Yeah, Don't go, let us down, John Lynch. Go get Tom Brady. That's yep. all I got. All right. Well, we will be back next week, hopefully after some big Kings wins. And Republic have their season opener on Saturday. So, uh, sorry, not season opener. Home opener on Saturday. one one zero on Saturday or whatever day that was. Um, my days are all off. Anyways, so we appreciate you guys. Peace out. Peace. Beat LA.